Praise God. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a seat for a moment. And we're going to get into some word tonight, I believe. And uh, man, presence of God's in the house. I know when his presence is here, that means everything that you need is here. There's nothing outside of the presence of God that you need. You need something, it comes through him. He's the source of every good thing. He's the source of every need, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I wanted to get into a little bit regarding what's been just stirring in me and stirring in me is, uh, is this idea of um, offense and people getting offended at one another. And uh, how many know that if you are a human being for very long that you have had opportunities to get offended, right? That people do stuff to you and you're like, what was that for? Why, why would you do that? And uh, that's pretty much normal for the human condition. And it doesn't change just because you get saved and everyone treats you perfectly because you're born again and you got, you got into a church and now every church member is perfect and they're treating you just right. In fact, there's gonna be a whole lot of times where you're gonna be like, what? Why would you do that? How, why, would you, why would you hurt me like that? I don't understand. And, and yet there's this expectation for us as believers to live in unity and to live in peace. In fact, Romans 12, uh, 12, 8, I think, it says, as much as it's up to you to live in peace with all men, which means... If it's up to you, let's live in peace, right? You do what you can do. That doesn't mean that every situation you're gonna be able to smooth over, every relationship you're gonna make work, but as much as it's up to you, make it work. Keep the peace. I know, I know this, any, any parents in here of multiple kids? <laughs> How many know that sometimes there's not peace and there's infighting in the family and there's sometimes just nothing more frustrating than two kids going at it and you're like would you stop it and just get along it's like we want to have fun or we want to accomplish some goals or we got like chores to do how many know nothing's getting done and nothing's going the way it's supposed to when you got infighting from brother sister brother brother sister sister siblings attacking each other and there's this you know problem that's happening it's like everything has to stop and we got to take care of this problem get this resolved for us to just move forward and i think sometimes that happens inside of the body of christ too frequently uh and conflict is just part of the it's part of the equation we're gonna have conflict you're gonna have problems there's gonna be people that rub you the wrong way. There's going to be people that make mistakes and, and hopefully not, but maybe some of us are going to be the ones making those mistakes and we're going to be doing things and treating people the way we shouldn't be. And sometimes that's intentional. Sometimes it's unconscious. But the idea is as much as it's up to us that we should live in peace with one another. And 
this is key to this is key to you receiving the things from the Lord that you're supposed to. This is key that um, how God's designed His grace to work in your life is for you to be connected to people, and that that joint in which you're connected to people, that there would be a supply from God that comes through others. And so when there's a break in that joint, and when there's a fence in between me and my brother, I'm missing some supply. And, I'm, and he or she is missing some supply that I'm supposed to give too. And this is just something that we see that's common in our day where offense and people getting offended, people getting their feelings hurt is rampant in our culture. And now we sometimes wear it as a badge of honor and we say, look how offended I am. Look at what this, per they, you go around hearing People say it and they're telling 25 people as fast as they can, do you know what so-and-so did to me? And, and that type of behavior should be in the world, but not in the church. We're better than that. We have the Spirit of God who is a spirit of love and a spirit of peace, and we should not have a bunch of infighting inside the body of Christ. And so... Um, you know, this can, this can manifest in, obviously, your families. This is, this, is, um, this is relevant to, like, you dealing with things with your, your own real blood brothers and sisters or parents or your kids or your spouse even. There's always opportunities for conflict. And there really is a biblical prescription on how to deal with problems how to deal with offenses, how to deal when someone messes with you and they say things about you or to you and you have this problem against them, what should you do? And I think, I think a lot of times when people say, well, we just gotta keep the peace, they automatically go to, well, we'll just, we'll just give them mercy and grace and we'll just pretend like it didn't happen. And that's a common, that's a common way a lot of people deal with conflict is they ignore it. It's too difficult. I don't want to have to deal with that. That's going to be uncomfortable. So I'm just going to pretend like that didn't happen. And what happens when you pretend like it didn't happen is you don't actually forget it and you don't actually deal with it and there's not actually closure to anything. So it just kind of festers on the inside and there's bitterness, unforgiveness, and things that take place. And this is not like every little thing. Like, you know, if, if someone's just out of the blue, maybe says something wrong and I get offended by it, I don't have to make sure I bring resolution to every little minor thing. Definitely minor things, I think we can kind of just give people the benefit of the doubt and that's okay. So I'm not saying never ignore what someone's doing, right? But if it's something that's like a dagger, it's something like I gotta pull this out of my back then we should know how to deal with that type of offense and know how to deal when someone comes and does something against us in the body. Because what happens is a lot of times the body just gets broken up into pieces that are disconnected and they say, well, this is how I'm gonna deal with this. I'm just not gonna talk to that person at all anymore. And you see it in families. I mean, how many, I, I bet there, if I was to do a show of hands, which I won't, how many families in here have uh, a member of their family that they just don't talk to or their family member doesn't talk to them because of some problem that took place. And it's just like, 
We can't get past it. We're not going to talk about it, so we're not going to talk at all. And that is sad because that's not how God designed uh, the church to work. It's not how he designed family to work. He doesn't want there to be separation. He wants there to be unity. And in unity, which is, by the way, that word really means uh, that we're one, that we are unified, meaning we're one. As a body, Jesus, do you remember when Jesus prayed that all of us that believe would be one, just as him and the Father are one, that we would all be one as well? And so we are unified, which means you and I aren't different. We are one. And our brothers and sisters in the Lord aren't, uh, that's just some jerk in the church. <laughs> that's just some, yeah, I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to have any problem. I don't need to resolve that. They can just go fly a kite. The actual answer is I need to recognize my oneness with my brother and say I need restoration in this relationship because if there's this disconnect and division in us, I'm missing out, they're missing out, and we're living in a, in a much lower place than where God designed us to live. And unfortunately, this is our society's culture getting into the church where they just, they, they shun people, they turn people away, they cut people off, and, and sometimes people are raised that way. You do something against me, you're getting cut off. You're getting the silent treatment. It's like that type of, that type of response to conflict is something that's very detrimental to the church as a whole. You guys remember that in, in the book of Acts, when the 120 were up in the, up in the upper room, and it says they were all of one accord. They were all of one accord. They were all unified. And I just wonder, 120 people, there's probably somebody is probably gonna do, and, and they were up there for days. They were up there for days, I mean, it's probably people getting annoyed, probably hangry. <laughs> All these different, you know, opportunities for people to just get, you know, like how dare you, you know, you looked at my wife wrong. You, it's like that, there was opportunities for stuff like that to happen. And they were up there in a closed space, 120 of them, and yet they were of one accord. And so they knew how apparently to be unified in even circumstances that are less than, less than ideal from what we have. I mean, we're not sitting in a room for days with 120 people trying to get along. And so they were getting along and that, that was the uh, environment or the atmosphere that allowed the move of the Spirit to come in and the day of Pentecost to fall and for every single person to receive, for every single person to experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost and they all spoke in tongues and there was a mighty revival that started from that moment. What preluded that was, was complete unity and, and oneness in the church, in the body. And so we need to recognize that this is important we, this is actually one of our core values as a church is you'll see it on the walls um, you, that we are unified, that we are of one mind, we're of one heart, and we are one. We, there's no you versus me. We're one. If you win, I win. If you lose, I lose. And that's what unity really looks like. And so, 
So what happens if someone does something to you that's just messed up, if it's wrong, it's, it bothers you and you don't know how to get past it? Well, there is biblical prescription for doing that. If you will, turn with me to uh, the book of Luke. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, chapter 6. So, so kind of first step here, if this happens, is, is verse 41, Luke 6, 41. It says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but, not, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly, clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So before you need to, to address the problem in someone else and what they've done to you, it's good first to analyze and say, am I to blame in any of this? Did I, do I have anything wrong in this situation that I've done where I messed up, I, maybe I said something wrong, maybe I did something wrong, and I have something to own? Maybe there's a plank in my eye, and before I start dealing with their problem and what they've done to me, maybe I should address first what I did to them. And I think that's just the baseline first step. Own what you do, and don't try to like just explain it away. And, and in, your, in your approach, when you're approaching someone that's done something wrong, um, really humble yourself. Humble yourself because eventually what, you, what the, because there's certain goals and outcomes that we want, right? What's the outcome we, what, of what we want? Not so that you get a pound of flesh from your brother. The outcome is I want peace and I want restoration. And so first I need to, be, I need to do what I want them to do. I want them to be humble and they, I want them to receive you know, whatever I'm gonna bring up to them, whatever problem, I'm, the speck that's in their eye, I want them to see that. That means I first have to be willing to see the plank in mine. I first have to be able to say, you know what? You're right, I messed up, I did this. And at the same time, when you approach someone, you can say, did you think I did anything wrong? What, what am I to blame? And then listen. And I'm telling this, this type of conflict resolution if you will apply this in your relationships, in your family, in your marriage, in your uh, you know, mother, your, your parents, and then also in the church, you'll, this number one step will just disarm the person that you're talking to. Because one of the defense mechanisms people have when you're bringing something up to them as far as what they've done wrong is called deflection. Have you heard of that one? Deflection means get the spotlight off of what I did wrong. I wanna talk about what you did wrong. And when you lead with what you did wrong, that defense mechanism is disarmed. So now, now they're actually open to hearing whatever you have to say when you go, you know what, I messed up, would you forgive me? I did wrong to you, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Will, will you forgive me? And you know, that breeds, that humility breeds an openness and an ability by the other person to just, you know, more often than not, they're not gonna just say, 
well, I didn't do anything wrong, and yep, you're right, it was all you, and it's like that's not typically how most people are going to respond. But then again, we have, that's step number one, address what I do, own what I do, admit it, and then go to them and, and receive forgiveness and, and apologize. And then step two, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now, one key phrase in both of the verses that we just read or key words, I think, is the word brother, which the scripture keeps bringing back to the fact of this is the relationship that we have with one another we're family. If you think about your natural family, you know, you have to get along with your siblings growing up. You have to get along with your brother. There's no like, I'm just never talking to you again. It's like, no, you're going to be living together for a good long while. You're going to have interactions whether you like it or not. You need to treat this person as this is my family. And how would you approach it if you really saw them as this is my brother, this is my sister. That means I'm not going to just let the issue uh, cause division and just remain that way. If, you have, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. I think 95% of most conflict gets solved in this step. If we do step one, and then this step here where we've admitted what we've done wrong and then we bring this to the people that have offended us, then I think what we, we do is we solve 95% of the problem. Most people are going to hear you. Most people are going to respond to that approach and say, you know what, you're right, I messed up. Let's, let's let this be water under the bridge and let us be good. And you've gained a brother. This is exactly what the scripture talks about when he says, uh, as much as it's possible for you, live in peace with all men. This step is necessary. When, if, if we're not going to our brother and we're going to all the other brothers and talking about this problem and we want to get all these other people involved, how many know we've taken a problem that should have got solved very easily and we've now made it a lot more difficult to solve? We need to go to our brother and we need to go to them alone. Isn't that what he said? No. That means I'm not gonna just try to involve a bunch of people, growl a bunch of people, get them, on my, get them on my side, try to, you, you know, will so-and-so believe we're all gonna say this and we're all gonna gang up on someone. No, I'm gonna go alone to them and I'm gonna explain what happened and say, and, and then how you approach it. How do you, how do you approach your brother who sinned against you? Do you go accusing? Because if you just start accusing, he said, you did this, you had an ill intention, your heart was wrong against me, you, your motive was this, da da da, da and you, you just attack, can I tell you, that's going to usually not end in the result that you want, which is peace. It's not going to bring resolution. You may have got your pound of flesh, but you actually didn't solve anything. And so I want to approach this in a way that's going to be 
I'm gonna try to, I'm trying to make the outcome the most important thing. And the outcome is, is that I want us to be restored. And so that means I'm gonna maybe approach it with a, hey, you know, when you said this or when you did this, this is what it, this is what, I, this is how I took it. Maybe I'm taking it wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing this clearly. What, what were you intending to do? What was your intention? How, wh why did you do it this way? Or why did you say this? And again, I'm, what love does is it assumes the best in someone. It's not just assuming that they're evil and that they wanna hurt you. And they, it's like, that's honestly a lot of problems in, uh, in relationships is false assumption of motive. We just assume negative motive. We assume they want to attack us, that there's this personal attack and that's why they did this. For some reason, you're just evil that day. It's like, let's not assume that. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, you probably didn't mean it this way, but this is just how it seemed. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you have any explanation for that? And sometimes, and this has happened with me multiple times, is they explain it and go, and I go, I was wrong. I took that completely wrong. And, and it's just a complete misunderstanding. And it's like, you're, I'm, I'm glad I went to you, not assuming that you were ill-intended against me and I accused you of something. It's, no, it was just a misunderstanding. They said something or did something and I just took it wrong. How many know that there's a whole lot of confusion, miscommunication happening that's, a, that's actually the root of so many problems at the beginning of them? So if we can just solve the miscommunication and just try to get those things out and try to just assume that, hey, there's miscommunication, what really did take place, that step alone will get us a lot further. And there, they'll also, the person that you're approaching, they're not gonna assume that, you wanna fight. They're not gonna assume that you're ready to just duke it out. You're, they're gonna assume you actually want to resolve things, which if that's, if that's how you're communicating your motive, it's the person's gonna be a lot more open to receiving. And again, why are we talking about this? Because I believe that as a church, I believe as, a, as, a, as families, when we do things according to the way God said to do them, we're gonna have God-type results. I know sometimes people will pray for my marriage, I need my marriage restored. Pray for this relationship, this, this problem that I'm having with someone. God, I need help, why can't you? I, I just want you to fix this problem. And he's like, you, your problem will be fixed when you just do the things that I've prescribed for you to do and they'll get resolved. And so I think so much, so much uh, strife and backbiting and things like that can just go away when we actually have biblical conflict resolution because biblical conflict resolution includes accountability. It doesn't just say, uh, there's no problem here and yeah, it's, it's just fine and what you did is no big deal at all. It's, it's like, no, there actually needs to be repentance. There needs to be acknowledgement where we are um, you know, as the scriptures say, we confess our sins to one another. That's talking about the sins that we have committed against one another. And so it does require accountability for there to be resolution. You know, God is both a God of uh, mercy and justice. And if you think about that, 
that dichotomy of how the Lord is, is he is both extremely merciful and at the exact same time walks and believes in perfect justice. And so that's how we need to communicate and how we need to feel and, and see our relationships with one another is I want to be merciful. I also think that there should be justice, that there should be an actual resolution to the problem, that it's not just like, uh, you just, no big deal. You know, you don't have to acknowledge anything. You don't have to say you did anything wrong and it's just going to be fine. I just don't think that's the way the Lord operates, and I don't think that's what he desires. I think he, bo- he wants both accountability and justice, mercy and justice. Um, verse 16, so that's step two. If you've got, you got a problem with someone, go to them alone. Step three, if he doesn't hear you, if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So this is, this is again, these are steps in which you take and, and the, the he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. How many know that's like one in a million type of cases? That's hardly ever an actual thing that needs to take place. Uh, and, you know, then we're the next step of, excommunicating someone, which is not really what he's talking about, uh, isn't really a, a part of the equation. And so we have these steps. And then verse 18, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We hear these types of scriptures a lot, but don't really understand the context in which they're taught. And Jesus is teaching about biblical conflict resolution. And then at the same time, talking about without, without skipping a beat, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is talking about how you're dealing with people's sins against you. I'm not saying it's just talking about that. I'm not saying that it doesn't have anything to do with taking authority over things. I'm saying that in context here, Jesus is actually teaching us to loose and to bind when it comes to our relationships. Verse 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Jesus starts talking about the prayer of agreement. Again, what's the purpose of unity is if we can get you in agreement, there is power in your agreement. There is power when you come together with your brother and you touch one thing and say, we're going to agree upon this and we're going to pray this and it's going to be done. And so we need to, as much as possible, let there be agreement and bring people and bring one another into agreement. Verse 20, again, this is all in context to the same, same topic. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I think that's awesome because, again, this is talking about biblical conflict resolution. If you are coming and gathering in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so the Lord is absolutely a part of getting our relationships restored. He's in the midst of us when we're doing this together. He's in the midst of us saying, I'm going to help you solve these problems. 
I'm gonna bring clarity. I'm gonna be the one who softens hearts. I'm gonna be the one who uh, puts the love of God in the, into a person so that they can, they can actually love someone. These are all in context with biblical conflict resolution. And so the way that the Lord's designed this to work is for us to actually first do what he said. And when we have real problems, that we say, you know what, Lord, you said, and so I'm gonna do it your way. And if, you, if we do things his way, it's gonna work. We're gonna have God-level solutions, God-level outcomes when we do things his way. And then there's, when we're touching something, when we're praying in agreement, it's like, I don't have this in the inside, this conflict going on where it's like, but there's this problem. And I think so many times we go to, pray together or pray in faith and there's problems that are persisting and there's, there's contention among brethren and it's like, why does it feel like there's not much behind this? Why does it seem like I don't have a whole lot of uh, anointing behind this prayer? And it's like, well, maybe because there's a bunch of infighting in the family and we can't get on with kingdom business because there's we got to stop everything and try to get this, these two kids to stop fighting real quick. Just like how it is in your families, right? With your kids. We got to first deal with this. I know, I know this too. You know, when our, when our kids are in the middle of uh, fighting or arguing, let's say, you know, sometimes we'll be like, hey guys, if you guys will clean and vacuum and do this, we'll go do this and maybe we'll go out to ice cream or something and we'll give some treat for you getting through and, and, and doing these chores real quick. Okay, sounds great. And then they go and they start fighting. <laughs> and it's like, you know what happens is like, I can't reward you. I can't reward you for in the middle of you uh, doing these things, but you did it with a terrible attitude and you fought with your, br your brothers the whole time. I can't reward you for that. And I, and I just wonder how much we're missing out on the rewards and the, and the efforts and the things that we're doing and the, the, the things that we're putting our hand to and them prospering and them turning out the way that God intended them to turn out because there's a lot of just fighting and there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of conflict that's just going unresolved. And it's like, I want I want to treat you, I want to reward you, I want to bring these things to you, but man, you, you're doing this all wrong. Like you may have checked the box and got the task done, but how did you do it? And, and did you like leave a, a trail of disaster in your wake getting it done? And now I gotta like try to go solve 15 fires and put those out behind you, but good job, you did what you're supposed to do. It's like, I think it's more important, and, and I, I feel this way as a parent, it's more important that my kids are not fighting and that they're loving one another than whatever task they're trying to accomplish is getting done. And so I think this is, and sometimes we think this in, in church, is we have tasks to do, right? We have people to get saved. We have the kingdom to grow. We got churches to plant. We got buildings to build. We got all this stuff to do, which praise God, that's, that's his, that, that is his will for us to do. But I think that that's not just the task that God cares about. I think there's a lot of one-on-one, 
people being restored to each other, us having the love of God and the brotherly love working in our church, I think that's just as important as going out and taking the valley and having revival. I think it's just as important to him because I know that's how I think about my, my family and I don't think that's ungodly to think that way. It's like, how great is it if we get all this stuff done but the whole time we got like 15 people on our list that we just don't even talk to anymore and we won't, we try to avoid and we see them down the hallway and we just, oh, I gotta turn this way, I'm not gonna even talk to them. And, and there being a lack of love among his children is something that is talked about in scripture. But even just as a dad, and I see that in my family, and I'm like, man, it just bugs me and it bothers me and it's, not, it's upsetting. And it's like, I would rather have you guys not even have done any chore, but you guys totally got along and did and loved each other, I would have rather had that type of outcome. And so again, this is crucial to us getting accomplished. What the Lord wants us to accomplish is we are all unified. We are all one. We're of one mind. There's no, there's no divisions in us, meaning it's not you versus me. It's not me. I'm gonna step on you to get up it's I'm gonna try to lift you up. And by lifting you up, I'm going up. And I, you know, I, I, heard, I heard someone once say, um, it's actually Mac over there, Pastor Mac. He, he, he asked this question, how many uh, of us are hearing, well done thy good and faithful servant, for how many of, the, of us is that connected to us helping other people hear that same thing? And I thought, that's such a great question to ponder. And, and again, that person that you've cut off or that person that you're in the middle of this argument with, are we thinking, man, I wonder if I can help them hear well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I wonder if me hearing well done, thy good and faithful servant is contingent upon me helping them hear that too. And if you get a hundred people hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Man, probably, I mean, there's a good chance that you're going to have a good time on Judgment Day, that you're going to hear some really good words on Judgment Day, where it wasn't just about you and what I got to do and I got to accomplish what the Lord told me to do. Like, how can I help? How can I be of service? How, again, this, this is the spirit of humility. Once the spirit of humility gets in us and we say, it's not about us, I'm not gonna get offended, I'm not gonna take offense, I'm not gonna dwell on things and let this just hinder my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with others, what the church is, is actively working towards, and I take a, a, a stance of humility, which means I just put myself lower than I than I was at before in a prideful attitude. And I just put myself and I say, I'm your servant. How can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I be of service? What can I do to make your life easier? What can I do to bless you? And then go look for ways to do it. And maybe buy them something or hand them a bunch of cash or be, you know, let your, let your actions follow your, your heart, if you will. It's like, it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm, I'm on the inside, I'm, I'm humble. It's like, now I have to have action behind that humility. 
and I need to actually prove it through my works. Amen? And so again, this spirit of humility, if we'll, if we'll adopt this, it'll, it'll cause so many problems to just stay at just minor things. It's just a minor thing. It's not a major problem. You know, unfortunately, there are people that leave this church and churches nationwide because of so-and-so said something about so-and-so and so-and-so did this to this person or the pastor said this and I got offended and pastor told me this. And it's like, just take a spirit of humility and just say, you know what? Maybe they were, maybe they had an off day. Maybe they didn't mean what they actually said. And that type of approach and, do, and doing it with that spirit will just cause problems to kind of reside. We'll kind of have problems, kind of just chill. And so, um, you know, I think, I think it's good to reflect. Let's maybe have like a moment of reflection where we are going to do what Jesus said as far as like, let's analyze the specks or the, the planks in our own eye before we deal with the specks of our brothers. And, and for, for just, just a, a few moments, let's just analyze what do I really need to, to solve? What have I done to someone else? Because again, the idea is I want there to be peace with all men as much as is possible for me. So I think let's just take a moment. It's not gonna be long where it's just like we're gonna analyze and then at that same time, let's commit to actually owning it and taking the necessary step, whether that's I'm gonna go apologize. And, and I'm not saying, you know, you side-eyed someone five years ago and you need to go apologize for that or something. It's, I'm, I'm talking about things that actually are causing hindrances in your relationships, where there's some problem that you're having with someone and it's cut off that relationship. Let's first just take a moment. And if we have to, let's ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me whatever planks I got going on What's my issue that I need to deal with in this situation? And then from there, uh, we, can, we can take that to the person. Are you guys ready? Could we get maybe some piano? That'd be all right. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're a God of restoration. We thank you, Father God, that you're a God who loves unity and you want your body to work and function properly. Lord, you've called us your family, your sons. You've called one another to be our brothers. And we thank you, Father, that as we walk out our relationships and, and, and the calling of God in our lives and what we're called and tasked to do, we thank you, Lord, that you're also helping us to see our relationships as, as divine, divine connections, that they're not just, uh, just another person or another face but Lord, these are our brothers. These are our sisters. And we thank you, Father God, that you're helping us now see those things that we've done or what we've caused to be, uh, to be a hindrance in these relationships where there are divisions, Lord. Reveal to us now what we've done so we can take accountability for it, so we can own it. And we thank you, Father God, that the peace of God and the spirit of humility just, just begins to be our demeanor. It's, it's the spirit in which we act and it's the spirit in which we obey. And we thank you, Father God, for revealing those things now that we can take a step forward 
and restoring these relationships because as much as it's up to us, Father, we desire that there be peace, that there be peace in our house, there be peace in our families, there be peace with all men. So we thank you, Father, right now for the spirit of truth revealing those things that need to be dealt with. Lord, I'm so thankful for you getting the testimony, you getting the glory for relationships being restored, marriages being restored. Thank you, Lord, that you're opening up lines of communication between one another. Thank you, Father God.